0: Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs,
1: raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host.
0: She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Meg Brunson. Brunson. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the Familypreneur podcast. When I left my job at Facebook, I knew that I wanted to continue helping parents figure out how to leverage Facebook ads to build their businesses so that they could build a life with the freedom and flexibility to be the parents that they want to be to their kids, just like I did. For a long time, I resisted creating a digital course because I really love working with people one-on-one, but then I realized that my resistance to a course was actually limiting the impact I was able to have. With a course, I will be able to help exponentially more people than I would ever be able to help one-on-one, and today, I am so excited to announce that this episode is brought to you by my brand spanking new digital course, Ready, Set, Ad. The course is launching real soon, and when you enroll, you're going to learn everything that you need to know to run Facebook ads that consistently put your message in front of the people who want and need your product or service and most importantly, ads that make you money. So visit readysetad.com to learn more today. But don't delay because we are launching really soon. So go ahead, hit pause, go visit readysetad.com and then hop back here. We'll be waiting for you. Now let's meet today's guest. He has climbed mountains, run over 50 miles a day in swamps, filled with snakes and alligators has lived out of his car has rollerbladed and surfed through hurricanes but his biggest adventure has been fatherhood he's a connoisseur of experiences a husband a father an adventurer a best-selling author an ultramarathoner lifestyle physical therapist and a legacy coach who helps growth-minded married men live happier More connected and more fulfilled lives through immersive coaching programs that guide them to show up powerfully in their marriage, their health, their business, and in creating a purposeful legacy. But for those moms listening, definitely stick around because this all applies to you too. He is the creator of the Cleanse and Renewal Program, the Modern Man Virtual Summit, and the RICH Rich Man Experience as well as the co-owner of Cruz Country Fitness and Physical Therapy with his wife, Christian. Let's meet Armando Cruz. Hi, Armando. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I want to
0: start by talking about legacies. I know that's where you focus your attention. So could you start by explaining what the different types of legacies are?
1: Sure the way I've kind of categorized legacies into two main camps, if you want to call it. You have what's called your personal legacy, and then you have your impact legacy. We all have them. Some of us create them more intentionally than others. And I think that's part of a lot of the conversation that I have. But your personal legacy is the impact that you make or basically what you leave for the people that matter most, the people in your nucleus, your family, your friends, the people that matter most to you, how it is that, you know, you, that, that the shoulders that you, that you leave for them to stand on, so to speak. And then you have what, what I call the impact legacy, where it's kind of the things that a lot of times people think about, you know, curing cancer, you know, like Steve Jobs, I was able to create all of this or mother teresa that was able to help all these poor people like these big 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 things we all have them the question is is how long do they last right so to the degree that you're able to affect people in a deep way is directly proportional to how long that legacy lasts right so if it's everything is very surface area it goes very quick but if you invest the time and help create um, something deeper inside each person that you touch, all of a sudden that carries for a little bit longer. Does that, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So is that, is that kind of rooted in what like your mission and vision statement would be from like a business perspective? Like your mission is what you want your legacy to be?
1: That's a great connection there with that. So the way I see it is vision is that thing that you want to create. Your mission is essentially the actions that you'll take to create it. In other words, how you align your life to create that vision. How do you align with your values, your, you, you know, the, their, your, your beliefs in order to create that vision? So I, I would say, like, the vision is the big picture, while the mission is kind of the tactics used to to achieve it.
0: The systems, the steps. Right. Cool. So I know that your dad influenced you. He was a major influence in your life and in the creating of your legacy. So can you tell us a little bit about how your dad impacted you?
1: So my my father had his own company. He had a construction company and my mother worked for a developer. And growing up, I at the time, I didn't consider it a privilege, but I had the privilege of going to work with my dad in the summers in Miami with like 90% humidity, 90 plus degrees outside, mosquitoes, really working hard, built, you know, digging trenches, carrying plywood, doing a lot of manual labor in very extreme conditions. I didn't love it. I knew very quickly I didn't want to do that. But what I did get was a lot of time with my father. Uh, we would train before going to work. So now he started instilling the habits that I still use today. He would say, you know, you train while everyone else is asleep because the family is most important. So your health is very important, but don't take that time away from your family. Mm. So train while everyone's asleep and then, you know, get your work done. So we would train in the morning, talk the entire time and then go to work. In that case, there wasn't that much talking (laughs) because I was working. He was kind of delegating and so forth. But what I realized was I was an athlete since middle school, high school, and college. And he was there for pretty much all the practices, all the games. Whenever we went away to like training camp, he would go and he could take time away. And I was like, man, I want to do that when I have kids. I want to be able to spend the time that I knew at the time, I, I knew at the time how special it was to have that that kind of relationship with my father because to me, my father was my best friend growing up. And not because I was like that oddball kid that nobody liked. I got along with everyone. You know, I was a popular kid, but I, I didn't trust everyone the same way I trusted my father. Like all my friends, I had great friends, but they got to certain level of trust. But the things that mattered most there's only one person that I really trusted to give me sound advice and that one that I wanted to follow. And that was my father. So when I started realizing that, I said, you know, I'd like to do that same thing with my kids. Because that was the other thing. I also knew that a family was for me. I was never one of these people like, oh, I want to be a bachelor for life. I was like, no, I can't wait to get married. I love being married. My wife and I celebrate 12 years in December and I'm excited about it. It drives me nuts when I hear People say, oh, the ball and chain, the marriage. I was like, really? Man, that's sad to me. Right. (laughs) That is very sad. Like a marriage is something that's so rich or it can be, and it's all up to you, to you and your wife or you and your spouse, right? But if that's the way you're looking at it, that that makes me sad because you're missing so much and, you know, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) That's what you feel in all honesty, that, I mean, that's just a, that's from little, I knew that I wanted to have a family. And I knew then that I said, well, if my mom has to basically fight for two weeks to get off, and then when she is going to take a vacation, it's like, she's got to get all the work that she's not going to get, you know, for those two weeks, she's got to do it all before. So now she's working like 70, 80 hours before she goes on vacation. Whereas my father could be like, okay, oh, oh you guys are going to go out for a week to North Carolina to go train in the mountains. I'll go and join you. Oh, you have practice this time. All right. I'll get out of work at this time and go. Right. But family was also important for my dad. So he made the time he could have worked, but he would take the time away because family still is important to him and was very important. And so like, that's what I, that's what I saw growing up. And I knew very quickly that I wanted to do something very similar when I had kids. And that's my mission to continue to, to to fine-tune that and, and perfect that to to my standards, not to anyone else's.
0: There is so much I love about that story. So I love that you acknowledged that as a kid, you pro you weren't like, Yay, I get to go do hard labor out in the sun. Like you didn't enjoy it. And your father probably knew that. Like you probably was aware of the fact that you didn't want to be there. But that now looking back, you see it in a different light. You're not resentful of that. Right. You know, I think A lot of us as parents, we worry about that. We worry that our kids think we work too much, but that you can, as long as you're making that effort like your dad did to spend time with you, that our kids probably don't look at it as harshly as we think they do and that later in life, they'll see the benefit. So I love that part of your story and that you touched on training. So is that your version of self-care? We talk a lot about self-care and I have to assume that for you, that's probably fulfilling that need. Is that correct?
1: Yes. That is one of the components of self-care. You know, there's certain things that I've been doing. We're getting close to 800 days in a row at this point. Wow. I set a certain parameter for myself. One of them is meditation. Another one is what I call movement. And the way I define movement is moving your body in such a way that it energizes, heals, and excites and leaves you better than when you started. So that could include weight training. That could include calisthenics. That could include stretching, yoga, dance if I wanted to. So I'm almost at 800 days. I've done that every single day for at least 10 minutes. I've meditated every day for at least 10 minutes. Uh, Let's see. What are the other habits? Which is, again, still part of my self-care, because I think self-care and self-growth go hand in hand. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing that I do is I write 50 words every day, a 50 word article or more like it's a minimum. These are minimum. I, I make a video every day. I reach out to three people every day and I read at least five pages every day in a book. So those are those are my habits that I've been doing for almost 800 days.
0: Wow. Now, how do you track? Do you track all that stuff? I have to assume.
1: Yes, I will tell you exactly what it's called. <laughs> uh, it's called don't break the chain. It's an app
0: huh. and it's
1: very simple. You just put an X. You can't write anything on it. You can just put whatever your habit is. You give it a title, put a color for it. And then if you do it, you fulfill it for the day, you click on it. And so it tells you the chain that how many days you've been going. And I'll tell you that that has transformed my life. That, that really transformed my life, right? So I have this thing called my, micro habits this would fall into these micro habits. My belief is, is that micro habits, they form a foundation that you don't even know that you're forming. It's kind of like taking, you know, a few rocks every day and just piling them and piling them. In. But if you did it every day, what you'd end up with is a foundation of a house. If you you got a handful of rocks and you threw them, you put them on there. It's just when you're doing it, it doesn't seem like much. So none of those on any one day means very much except now I've been doing it for almost 800 days. And now people are like, Oh wow, that's a lot. But I'll give you an example by nature. I am not a good writer. I I don't, it doesn't let me phrase that. It doesn't come easy to me. Mm -hmm. When I started 800 days ago, I was writing at least once a week. I've, I've been writing a newsletter for probably over nine years Wanted, I would send it out once a week. But other than that, I wasn't really writing, and I and I wanted to become a better communicator. So I set out to write a minimum of 50 words. So the, the one rule that I have with micro habits is you can do it on your worst day. So think about if you have the flu. Think about if you broke a leg. Think about if you have a migraine. Think about if you haven't slept. I could still complete every single one of those, in such a way that I can still fulfill it. And I've, and I've had some tweaks. So I'll give you an example of how I made a tweak here. Mm-hmm. I went on a silent retreat for, it was four days. Oh, wow. I, there was no technology. There was nothing. Like I, I didn't speak for four days. I just wrote. I wrote like 80 pages worth of thoughts and notes and, you know, listening to teachings and so forth. So how was I, I didn't make a video during those days. So how do I say, how can I honestly say, oh, you know, you checked off that box of video? Well, first of all, I set the rules for what success is. So for me, while I didn't physically shoot a video on that day, what I did do was I closed my eyes because I wasn't speaking. And I imagined myself on stage sharing a presentation with somebody. And I literally closed my eyes. And I stepped on stage, and I just spoke, and that was my video. It was my internal video, okay. But part of this is the habit of every day doing it. Now you could argue the semantics of that. For me, it works. It's my uh, it's my it's my logging. That's the way I'm doing it. And for for the the circumstances, it works for me. In that same thing, I don't have any contact with anyone, so I couldn't call anyone. So what did I do? I wrote three letters to three different people. I didn't send it out, but I had it with me. When I left, I gave it to them. It's making the intention of being very clear of why you're doing what you're doing. So these micro habits, when you set them so that on even on your worst day you can do them, they set a baseline that you can reach success every single day in which now you can build on that momentum. The writing, there's no way I would have written a book. I almost failed English and literature. So a year and a half into doing those 50 words is when I decided to start writing a book. If I didn't do that whole year of writing, year and a half of writing every single day, I don't think I would have built up endurance and the stamina to actually be able to write a book. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. I was going to ask you, is that how you wrote your book? Was your 50 words a day pieces of the book or was the book a separate exercise?
1: So the year leading up to that, no that wasn't part of the book. When I decided to write a book, sometimes I didn't write every day on the book, but I did write every day. So yes, uh, parts of it, part of those 50 words was was the book itself.
0: I love the idea of those micro habits, changing a little bit at a time, identifying what's most important to you and having a way to track them.
1: What I've realized is that tracking actually builds momentum and builds excitement. What's been really interesting to see is how it's affected my family. I think I was like six months, maybe eight months into it, doing these habits. I remember, I'll never forget, my wife sat me down and she said, you know, you doing those habits makes me feel safer and more confident. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, because I know that you're going to do them every day, and that brings predictability to my day. And that makes me feel Safer. It makes me feel more confident about the day. Then she started doing some of that. And now my son, who's nine, I have three kids a nine year old, a seven year old girl, and then a four year old boy. So my nine year old recently decided that he wanted to start training and tracking it. And because he's heard me speak about this. Mm -hmm. And then my wife has been doing it too. So now he's like, all right, I want to do it too. He's at 43 days in a row of. Exercising every single day.
0: Wow. And not
1: because I've said it, because he did it on his own. There have been nights that he's forgotten to do it. And he told us this. He goes, you know, there's been some nights that I forgot. So I he sleeps on a bunk bed. He goes, In the middle of the night, when I remembered, I got out of the bunk bed and I did thirty jumping jacks, I did thirty squats, thirty push ups, thirty sit-ups, and then I went back to bed. Right? <laughs> And it's not to obsess about the exercise, but it's right. the discipline and knowing, you know what? This is important. I want to see if I can see this through. That's what excites me about it is the simple fact that he's building these habits and building a system for success that's incremental. That, you know what? If you put in the work, you're going to notice the difference. His posture has changed. You know, I told him this. said, you don't look like a wet noodle anymore, <laughs> your shoulders are back, you're standing straighter, you look stronger that's great, you know, and I, we don't force any of the kids to do like my wife does exercise. I exercise a lot, but it's, they see us right. and they want to join us. It's not like, oh, you got to do this. It's not like a we're in the military here. It's like everybody wakes up. All right. Everybody's <laughs> got to do a hundred push push-ups. you know? No, that's not like how it is.
0: Yeah. No, our kids just want to do whatever we're doing. Like they yeah. see what we're doing. They see what we enjoy doing and they want to copy that. I think it's great. I mean, he's, He's seeing the endurance that he can handle and he's going to bring those skills with him throughout life. I feel like he's going to be so much more self-confident.
1: He's definitely very self-confident as a result of kind of the way he approaches it.
0: Now you mentioned uh, the first question, like way back in the beginning, you had so much great nuggets. So I'm trying to like go back and pull out a couple, a couple of those things. You did mention your wife. Can you tell me a little bit about the dynamic you guys have in your household and in your business?
1: What's funny is that my wife is, has been, or always was a more natural entrepreneur. So growing up, she had, you know, she would sell candy and not just sell candy herself, but she would get all her brother and her brother's friends and she would tell them, hey, uh, if you sell this box of candies, I'll give you a candy by the end of the day. So she had like groups of people and that's how she would pay for her mission trips and for different. You know, if she wanted to get something. That's how she would do it because her parents at the time didn't have, and she was the oldest and they made her do like none of her siblings did the work that she did. So she always had that. And then she met me and somewhere along there, she kind of started working for like different corporations. Uh, she's, she's an exercise physiologist. So she was training people, but like in different gyms and different corporations. And I, I, For a long time, I told her, hey, you know, come with me and let's do it together. Until we had our second child, she didn't do it. And when she did it, she's like, man, I don't know why I waited so long. (laughs) You know, but so for her, it takes her a lot longer to do something. I'm the, I see it, I do it. But she follows through and makes sure everything gets done right. So she's a great manager. She Like we compliment each other. I'm a great starter. She's a great finisher. I'm great at coming up with new ideas. She's great at editing them. Like she edited my book a lot. Like she knows what I was trying to say when I was trying to say it. So sometimes she's like, mm, what you wrote here is not really what you're trying to say. And I'm like, okay, how would, how would I say that? Right. <laughs> how would I say that? And she's like, Oh, here, try this. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that is what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know. So, and that, that's part of the beauty of understanding your strengths and you know, what it, that, that's part of the marriage component and the communication, but then also that, that really helps us in at, at our work, right? So we have a fitness and physical therapy studio mm-hmm. that we've been running for 12 years. And then I have a coaching business that I coach married men that are entrepreneurs to show up more powerfully in their marriage and their business and their health and create a legacy that, That makes them inspired, that excites them. So, between both of those things, we've been operating for quite some time.
0: That's awesome. And of course, I love the focus on dads. I know you have five key components that you refer to to creating a powerful legacy. Can you share those with us?
1: Sure. So, first thing is being aware that there is such a thing as legacy. Okay. What I found really interesting is that when I wrote the book, I interviewed 111 men. Mm. beforehand, because what I wanted to do, I didn't want my thoughts to be in a vacuum, right? I knew what I believed, I knew what I wanted to share, but I wanted to see what was out there, like what, what men were actually thinking about. And what I found was were a few things that the men that thought, because I, I interviewed men, I, I wrote the book specifically for men, but the principles are principles that women can get as well. In fact, that's been the biggest complaint is from women. They're like, hey, but I can use these principles too. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as a woman, you know that you can use those principles. As a man, most men, unless you're telling them that this is for them, they're not going to pick up on that. They're <laughs> like, ah, that's not for me. That's for women, you know? So I made it very specifically like this is the modern man's guide to escape obscurity and live a life on right? So this is for men, but the principles. So anyways, so the point was being aware of legacy. And so what I found was fathers tended to think about legacy a lot more. So once you have kids, there's something about that that really shifts about, you know, what I'm doing is not just about me. I have somebody that it's going to affect. The other people that I found that that really kind of resonated with, with legacy were men of faith. Most of them were Christian, so, you know, that they believed in God, something greater than themselves. And so legacy was something in the vocabulary. The guys that were single or not so religious or didn't really believe... They didn't really think in terms of legacy to the same degree. Mm-hmm. This was a pattern that I saw. So awareness that there is such a thing of legacy. That's the first one. Then vision, right? The vision is what it is that you're going to create. It's that thing. It's not just a destination, but also what is the journey that you want to take towards that destination, right? Because there's, there's, there's a lot of roads to Rome, so to speak, and it's your choice. You don't have to go down the highway. You can go down the scenic route. You can hike through the trails if you wanted to. Whatever you want to do, that's part of the vision. Then you have what I call the purpose, which is your why. It's the thing that is the engine behind the vision. If you don't have a strong why, if you don't have a strong purpose, you're going to run out of gas because when everything's going fine, you don't really need it that much. But when you find obstacle after obstacle, when things keep going wrong, when you feel like you're taking one step forward and two steps back, if you don't have that driver, Mm -hmm. that engine to propel you, you're not going to make it. And then number four, you have your process. So this is now laying out the plan, the strategic step-by-step process on how to do it. This is the blueprint to get you there. And then finally, implementation, right? Because all those things are great, but if you don't start acting on it, It's not going to help you. It's funny because my son just read uh, this book called Discipline Equals Freedom. Hmm. It's by a Navy SEAL uh, commander named Jocko Willink, right? And so he read it. It's not a kid's book, but it's not, you know, there's not profane or anything like that. It's just, it's talking about discipline. So I got the book for me, but I didn't have a chance to read it. And I had it there and he asked me if he could read it. I said, go for it, read it. So he read it in a day. He reads a lot. Huh. And so I asked him, I said, okay, well, what did you get from the book? And he said, well, the two things that I got from the book are that if you want to be able to succeed, you can't depend on people from the outside telling you things to do. You have to have your own self-motivation, your own kind of your own drive to do things. And then he said, the other thing was, which is to the point that I'm trying to make now is he said, don't just read the book. You have to actually take action and do the stuff in the book. So that's that part of the book, right? The last part, which is the implementation. Yeah. You've gained clarity. And now that you have clarity, now let's take action on it. So again, from the top, awareness, then vision, then purpose, then process, then implementation.
0: And it would seem that the app you mentioned, those micro habits can all help bring you to that implementation, right? Breaking down what you want, the impact you want to make.
1: Yeah. I find that most people approach it as if it's going to be done tomorrow. Right. So there's no patience for it. So they're like, oh, I got to get the results yesterday. But if you look at it and say, okay, this is my life. What are the habits that I need to do on a daily basis? What are the things that I need to do, the actions I got to take on a daily basis to move me one step closer,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: one step closer? And again, a step doesn't seem like a lot, but... You know, I run ultra marathons, which are long. I just signed (laughs) up for my first 100 mile run. Wow. And I'm excited about that. But I've done 50 milers and I've done some other shorter ones. But one thing that becomes very apparent there is that if you are hurting at mile 10 and you've got 40 more to go, you're not going to finish if you're thinking about, I got to do 40. You just got to look at the tree right in front of you and say, okay, let me make it to that tree. And then you made it to that tree and you're like, okay, let me make it to the next tree, and it's like you got to take that next step, and you take that next step, and before you know it, many hours later, <laughs> you cross the finish line, right?
0: Many hours later.
1: Many hours later, <laughs> you cross the finish line, and that—that's really what it's about.
0: It might be days for me, <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, but you cross the finish line, right?
0: I I really appreciated you going back, like I said, through your childhood, your relationship with your dad the relationship with your wife, how it's impacting your son. I think this has all been amazing. And I love the tips about defining what legacy is and then how to work towards creating your own legacy. I feel like that's not a word that I've used frequently. But I think upon talking to you and reflecting on it more, that's definitely one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing is that I want to leave that legacy. I just never had that word behind it. Yeah. But like you, I went to work with my dad as a child. Uh-huh. That experience shaped me. And so wanting to leave that similar legacy on them. I've just, I've loved this conversation, being able to put the word to it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Right. No, no, definitely. And, and part of that is gaining. The, sometimes it's, if you don't have the word to something or you've never had a word to do it, it becomes less clear. Mm-hmm. So clarity brings speed. That's one of the things I share with my clients is the clearer you are, the more speed you you can access. So yeah. if you walk into a dark room, you're not going to like just stroll right through there, especially if you've never been in there, because if you've ever stubbed your toe, <laughs> you know that that's not a pretty sight, right? So what do most of us do if you walk into You're going to walk cautiously. Right. But if all the lights are on, clarity you're going to move a lot quicker or you you can make the choice to move a lot quicker with more confidence. And that's really what this is about. It's how do you gain more clarity around legacy, right? So first is the awareness. Oh, I never thought of that word. I never thought of it yeah. as a package, right? Like that's my gift. This is my package of legacy. Okay, great. Ah, I can, I can hold it now. Right. I'm a very, I'm a visual and kinesthetic learner. So that's why I say, you know, I can hold it, right? Yeah. It's important for me to feel like I can hold a concept or 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 see it, feel it. So once you gain clarity on that, getting, you know, if you gain clarity on your vision, you can't start taking steps towards something you're not clear on, right? So mm-hmm. if you don't know what it is that you want to create, well, you know, setting up your habits, well, when you're not clear on where you want to go, any road will get you there, right? Because so what's the point of what you're doing? And so gain the clarity on what that vision is, why these things are important to you. And then you can create that plan to move you there in a way that excites you. Not the way everybody else is doing, in a way that excites you, right? Because we're having this conversation and there are at this point, probably thousands, if not millions of podcasts out there, Right. but yours is unique to you because you do it a certain way, you ask questions in a different way, your focus is very different. And before you started this, I'm sure you had to think about, you know, there's a lot of people doing podcasts, but this is the way I would like to do it. These are the conversations I would like to have and I would like to share with other people like me.
0: Yeah, I can just see how this will be able to revolutionize how you are in your home, how you show up at work, how you show up just across the board. So thank you for bringing all the value to us today. And can you share where our listeners can learn more about you, get your book, connect with you?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's <laughs> been, it's been, it's been a blast. Uh, thank you for, for the conversation. And, and hopefully as you're listening to this, you got value from it, but you can find me at my name, Armando Cruz.com and the book, you can get it on Amazon or you can check out a little bit more information about the book as well as get the book on legacy code book, Dot com, So you can just search for it on Amazon or you can just go to legacy code book there and it'll redirect you to the Amazon page. There's a link on there. But we have some other stuff that we're adding to that. We have our virtual book tour, synopsis, you know, different other things. And we're going to be putting some behind the scenes video. Like I've never seen those, those videos of the behind the music mm-hmm. where they kind of share the story. Well, my wife and I are in the process of creating a video of talking about writing the book and How writing the book, how was it from her end? Mm -hmm. How was it from my end? Like as a a couple where I was writing the book, but she was editing it. And, you know, how did it change our life? How did the way we look at things change? How was that process? It wasn't always great. Right. (laughs) It was difficult at times. So that's one of the things we want to be putting on there. So check it out at LegacyCodeBook.com
0: and we'll put all those links in the show notes so that if somebody didn't get a chance to write them down i know i always listen while i'm driving so eyes on the road and we'll put the links on the show notes so that people can find you easily thank you again so much for taking time out of your schedule to share some information with us
1: my pleasure thank you meg
0: you'll find all of the links mentioned plus this week's show notes at meg slash 43 last week we welcomed two zany and loving grandmas, Debbie Todd, a spunky CPA, and Phyllis Matson, an amazing theater creative, to the show. They have merged their passions to bring belly laughs and fun learning to your kids using online interactive theater that teaches positive character skills and being smart with money. Next week, we've got a mother-daughter duo that I cannot wait to introduce you to. Jennifer Moss has over 30 years of experience in database architecture, programming, and over 20 years as an internet entrepreneur. In the internet world, that's a really long time. Her flagship site, babynames.com, was launched in 1996 and has been heralded as one of the top parenting websites on the internet. She's appeared on CNN Headline News, MSNBC, Fox News, local stations, and a variety of radio and print media. And she actually recently launched her own podcast, The Baby Names Podcast, with her sister and co-founder, Mallory Moss Katz. Jennifer has one daughter, Miranda, whom she raised as a single mom. Miranda Mendelson participates in the family business and also launched her own really successful beauty blog. Slash beauty.com while she was in college. Since then, Miranda has become a top beauty influencer. She's won Allure's Most Buzzworthy Beauty Blogger and appeared in magazines like Glamour, Health, Seventeen, and other major publications as well as national ad campaigns. I'm super excited to welcome both Jennifer and Miranda to the podcast next week. We are going to talk about both of their business ventures and what growing up in Jennifer's house looked like that molded Miranda into such a successful entrepreneur herself. It's a really exciting interview. Do not miss it. Subscribe to the podcast today. Thanks so much, guys. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you here next week. Bye. Want to connect with other like-minded parent entrepreneurs? Join the discussions in our official Facebook group. You can
1: find it at familypreneurcommunity.com.